Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to Surf Stories, presented by Florida Surf Film Festival. My name is Kevin Miller, and today, uh, Tyler Brewer is going to join us as a special guest host. John Brooks is unable to make it this time. He'll be back for the next episode. In the meantime, check out Tyler's work uh, with Swell Season Podcast and the Sunday Joint Podcast, which is based on Matt Warshaw's weekly newsletter to subscribers of Encyclopedia of Surfing. It is probably the most succinct and wonderful piece of surf media that i read every week shows up right in your inbox so highly recommend subscribing to encyclopedia of surfing for that little gym in the meantime today's guest is ira opper and ira's been a producer and director of surf film and tv for quite a long time uh he recently presented his work uh the secrets of desert point at our festival a few years ago and we were happy to have him he told so many great stories around the uh, around the uh, table at night, and, and we just wanted to have him on the podcast to share some of those wonderful stories. So without further ado, here is Ira Opper with Tyler Brewer as our special guest host. Thanks a lot, and enjoy the podcast. Yeah, or Shaw, I don't know. He's David Scales, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Evil necessity. Yeah. <laughs> He's my personal uh, surf mogul. I'll take it. That. But I will say oh, the yeah. joint on Sundays in your inbox is such a retro uh, envisioning of how you know the digital world is developing. But it's the most palatable thing I get every week. It's it's right there, and I want to read it. Sometimes I don't feel like it, and I end up five paragraphs deep. It's wild. Yeah, Mark, and Matt's definitely my favorite. You know, I keep trying to, we did uh, the Surfer's Journal first TV season for Outdoor Life. And he was on, he wrote him and uh, Dana Brown edited him. And uh, uh, we we had a blast working together because we're so into yeah. this, the culture and the history. And uh, uh, it was, and then I've tried to draft him on all these other projects and He's just so passionate about the encyclopedia, but, but yeah. I really, you know, here's my opportunity to talk to you guys. I, I'm wasting my time talking about that guy. So yeah, no, well, it's exactly Let's talk yeah. about you. Let's talk yes. hot summer nights. Let's talk hot summer nights, man. First, who conceptualized it? Hot summer nights aspect of ESPN. And then I know Kevin and I are both super keen to hear about how the surfer magazine TV show came to be. It, first of all, let me just, oh. before you dive in, Ira, I want to say how important that show was to everybody in our generation. Like, you already have received feedback from so many people in your life. I'm probably telling you stuff you already know, but for the younger fans out there listening, there was a a major shortage of surf media. And all of a sudden, one year, it started showing up on my TV yeah. each week. And I recorded it with the VCR 
and rewatched it and rewatched it and, re- <laughs> and each episode. So go ahead, Ira, tell us about how that uh, magical thing came to be. Well, I just want to know I got chicken skin hearing you talk. So oh, I appreciate that very much. And uh, it's probably the best uh, residual from all that hard work to hear people, you know. I stayed uh, up as like a 10 year old kid to like one in the morning sometimes because it wouldn't yeah. always be on the, a, a good prime time. I would stay up because I couldn't figure out how to set the timer on the VCR. So I would just <laughs> like my brother and I would stay up and record all the time. I mean, it is. This is back in the TV guide era where you have to go in yeah, and dive in and find I it. I know. And go for it. Yeah. Every week I would look for surfing. I would look. I would exit out like, this is the day I'm staying up late, everything. So what you did, like, I don't know if you realize how much of an impact you've had on surf culture, uh, but that show had such a huge impact. I mean, everything from Dr. Scott Jenkins, uh, you know, surf rider. (laughs) I learned so much there to Corky's corner, you know, I still use some of Corky's bits (laughs) from it. It's like, oh my God, wait, wait, I know I'm going a little off topic here. I'm just so excited, but who is your favorite host of Surfer? Who, who hosts, I mean, you had everyone from Laird to Sonny Miller to, you know, Dr. Scott Jenkins to Matt, Matt George. Like, I'm curious who your favorite was. Really? I got to pick favorites. I, I mean, I had who is the easiest group. to work with. <laughs> well, actually, um, there was Bobby Estel hosted for a little bit. Um, he was, and he's a, he's a North Carolina guy. So he's from your end of the country. Uh, he was a broadcaster surfer here in San Diego, but he didn't go on the trips. Yeah. Uh, the most, fun uh a human could have is traveling the world with sonny miller yes you know, I, I, totally I mean see that rest uh, in peace as he yeah he was the best he was awesome but he didn't want to be uh, he did not want to be a tv personality he re- <laughs> he rebelled against it i had hired coaches a voice coach he had the look, he had the personality. If we could just get that to, you know, cross over the, 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 the Captain Fun personality of his, uh, the people who have worked with him know about it. But um, that was, uh, the, it was a hoot. Uh, absolutely. Good to hear. Every, every mile time. we traveled. Oh, it's yeah, Miller time. Like... And, and the thing was, is every surfer that we ever, at that time in history, that we had to go interview or go shoot or go travel with, you know, they had such respect for Sonny. So um, uh, I can't say enough good things about it. And the, and, and the, my proud moment with Sonny was when we first, uh, he was, he was a still photographer for Surfer. I convinced Surfer to, to hire him, uh, you know, uh, to work with us. Um, and he was he was shooting stills and doing the stand-ups for the travel pieces and going on trips and shooting photo stories for the magazine. And I go, you know, if you're going to hang out with me, you need to go shoot film. And I bought him his first 16 millimeter camera no and way. put it in his hands and go, you go out there and shoot for me now. So uh, I'm proud to say that uh, he had shot some Super 8 before that. But as far as being a professional water cinematographer, uh, I bought him his first camera 
and how had the housing made and um you know i still have the first three rolls that he shot which were completely hideous but uh <laughs> that i've yeah i'm probably not only that I'm, I'm the proudest to be um you know the director that directed him to you know put that stupid still camera on it down and get out there and and hook Wonderful. up with these guys good so. deal so back to the back to the okay. beginning so of the story yeah, yeah sorry <laughs> espn all right quick story program director my first big corporate job i was in my 20s got hired to be program director for cox cable in santa barbara uh so i'm going to digress a little yeah uh as program director uh, we had a 12 channel system primarily we were involved with community access and government access and i had invited people on like Hal Jepsen. That's how I met him uh, when he was in town to show his surf movie, put it on my cable, the local cable. Santa Barbara at the time was the 10th biggest cable system in the country. So I'm cutting my teeth in local cable. Uh, we're building from 12 channels to 35 channels. So they're physically putting in the new cable plan to, to grow for this new technology, which is going to be satellite delivered uh, programming, which was the future, the next step of cable. Right then, Cable was primarily a retransmission service uh, from, uh, you couldn't watch TV in Santa Barbara because of the mountains unless you had cable. So everybody had cable. Big, 10th largest city market in the country. Uh, in my office as program director, I had, we had built a satellite dish. We just started receiving ESPN, uh, let's see, HBO, uh, Weather Channel, uh, WTBS, there's about six or eight new satellite fed channels that started with the first satellite, Satcom 1. And I'm watching this stuff on ESPN and I'm just going, there, I literally it was like darts, uh, ping pong, uh, big eight, basketball, just nobody in Santa Barbara would give a damn about putting ESPN on in the beginning. And they, they would call me and ask me what, you know, how do you know, we'd like to get on your system as soon as you're to 35 channels? I'm going, I'm not putting you guys on, you know, nobody's gonna watch that junk on the west coast. And they felt they had to get on this Santa Barbara because we're so big and, and so important and part of the Cox cable network. So, what happened was, is they uh, they said, Well, what would you suggest we do? And I said, Well, I said, My audience wants to, you know, they'd like they want to see surfing, they want to see skateboarding. Uh, they want to see beach volleyball, you know, and the execs right. in, at ESPN go, you play volleyball on the beach? I'm going, <laughs> yeah, we do. Should try it. <laughs> so uh, the suits uh, in New York and, and in uh, Connecticut had no clue about what, 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 anything about the West Coast. So, As a New uh, Yorker, I'm like, should I be offended? Nah, he's no, right. He's right. <laughs> they were playing Australian rules football for five hours a day. So. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So, and, and that's another story. So, so they, they didn't get it. Um, I said, no, we're not interested. And uh, they said, well, would you produce, you know, would you produce some stuff? You know, this beach volleyball. volleyball. Yeah, uh, yeah, I'll do that. You know, I was, I was kind of, you know, my career was starting to, Okay, that sounds like fun. So I, I introduced him to NC2A volleyball, ESPN. I introduced ESPN to beach volleyball and um, started what they call sports packaging for him. And that's how I kind of got started. I, I do that on the weekends and then keep my job at um, 
working at Cox Cable. So what happened was, is uh, um, I got brought down to San Diego to start what was called at the time box seat because I started producing trash sports for ESPN that these guys thought I knew what I was doing. So they brought me down here and I, that's how I ended up in Solana Beach. And um, they needed a trash sports producer for this new sports network, which was just going to be Southern California. Uh, so to make a long story longer, uh, it was based in Carlsbad, which is a few minutes from Solana Beach. And um, one day Jerry Buss comes in the office while we're starting this channel, this network. And he bought it and moved it up to Inglewood and called it Prime Ticket. And I left and stayed. I wasn't moving from the, this incredible beach town of Solana Beach. And um, so I ended up buying another company. And with that, they left. With that going on, um, there, there was a new uh, vice president for ESPN, Roger Werner, who had served. And he was on a ski trip with Steve Pesman's brother, Tom. And because um, Tom, Steve Pesman's brother, Tom, was a uh, headhunter in cable. Okay, they're in Aspen skiing. And Roger goes, yeah, I want to put some surfing on. And then Tom says, ah, I should talk to my brother. He was going to go over to Surfing Magazine. He didn't know that, you know. Yeah. So he was up. And I had been pitching Steve on doing Surfer's World as a TV show and getting that, you know, getting some resources out of Surfer. So I was pitching a TV show. Uh, Steve, I had just did Legends of Malibu, my first document. Matter of fact, the first VHS tape done you know available i also, in the I also think it's one of the first movies they reviewed on surfer mag uh tv by the way <laughs> yeah well because i knew a couple paul of holmes gave it a very favorable yeah. rating <laughs> Dude, i'm gonna give you a free subscription um so uh um yeah he did he better because he wrote it uh so <laughs> small little it all you know, comes full circle. Like the ma- it's like the ma- as Kelly says, you know, surfing's like the the mafia. You know, once you're in, you never can get out. <laughs> so uh, let's see. So what happened was, I'm making a long story ridiculously long. Grr. Um, this is so. So great. what happened was, is uh, uh, Roger, Roger, Steve, you know, got together, called me. Three of us went to lunch at the Ritz Carlton in, in um, Laguna uh over salt creek uh and at, at the end of the meal you know roger said hey you know we would love to have you guys produce pilot for us and possibly a series uh any ideas you know we'll be open to so i pitched him on surfers world which became surfer magazine because surfer magazine obviously wanted to brand with it and you know steve's relationship can we timeline this real quick ira what year was this is 86 we launched in 86 uh we went on the, we went on we, we jammed on the pilot matt george was working for the magazine he had the look the personality he wanted to be a actor so uh he could write mm-hmm. so matt and i matt and i paul holmes helped him did the movie reviews as you remember um and we when we did the and, and the idea was to do it like the magazine format because that was very popular on TV. Profile, uh, you know, we did we introduced the world to Surf Rider Foundation. Yes. Uh, it was Dr. Jenkins at Scripps, which is down the street. Uh, we did uh, Corky's Corner because Corky, you know, I, Corky and I go back forever, and 
at that time, you know, he was Miller Lite beer commercial yeah, guy. He, he, he hosted My Legends. He was a, you know, he was a pretty funny guy, writes his own stuff. He's so jacked. charismatic. He, you know, he's just a, yeah, he's just a character and just a lovely character and and easy to work with. And then, um, and then, uh, yeah, Matt George was interesting. He he hung in there before he had a nervous breakdown and you know joined the the Navy oh, Seals, Na- right? Navy Seals. <laughs> Listen to you, Tyler. Sorry, oh, uh, I can't help myself. <laughs> I'm impressed. I think I, I keep thinking this is all lost to the to, to you know. There's the there's two people in New York who just absorbed everything. Yeah. <laughs> Me and my brother. <laughs> awesome. I'm stoked. Uh, I really it makes my day. You made my my day. Um, so uh, 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 so that's how it started. And then the first we were on such a time frame in the beginning. So much pressure uh, to deliver 13 shows in like, you know, I mean, I think we started right after the first of the year when we got funding. And basically, we're, I reached out and this is how I got to know all the filmmakers. Uh, Scott Dietrich, Bill Delaney, uh, Greg McGillivray, you know, all these filmmakers that I've, you know, knew forever. Obviously, Entree with Steve Pesman was awesome. Yeah. And um, they would let me cut up their movies. And we would rewrite, we'd cut up the movies, rewrite them. Matt and, Matt and I would write, you know, work on it. Um, and then we'd shoot a couple of original segment stuff, like a movie review, you know, put Paul behind the desk kind of thing. Things that were easy. And then we'd review the movies of the guys that gave us footage. Yeah. And got the, we got the first season. We finally got ahead. This is, and we finally got ahead. And I went to Pez and I go, I want to do an all original show before the season's over. I go, I want to do something. He goes, no, nah, you know, leave it up to the filmmakers. I go, no, I just, I just got a beta cam camera, and, which was, you know, a big deal. And I go, no, I'm doing a show. He goes, all right, you know, uh, keep the budget. You know, you got 3000 bucks or something. I go, I don't want your money. I'll do it myself. <laughs> so um, that way you won't own any of this stuff. It's all, you know, so um we uh, contacted tourism in Costa Rica. Paul Holmes had been down there earlier to do a photo article about it. It had not been, it, it, people were not going to Central America back then. then. The full civil war was raging in Nicaragua. Mm. Um, you know, Panama was suspect and Costa Rica, quote, the Switzerland in the middle, but you know, nobody had really, uh, it was just kind of cracking the door on it uh, as a as a surf destination and um you know i remember uh and it, you know the media obviously amplifies all this stuff going you know the, you think the entire central america was in flames yeah when you know when you'd read a story about the contras and the and the sure. sandinistas and the government so i remember telling my mom um i'm going down to costa rica you know, the tourism comped us at airplane and hotels. And uh, Paul knew this guy, saw, uh, um, Mario Satella, who's a very rist- a wealthy Tico uh, that surfed and parents owned the airlines and hotels. So we just sort of built this whole thing up, you know, to, to go down there pretty much for nothing. I got Chris Burke. I was friends with Rusty, uh, made surf my boards. So Rusty's surfer, Chris Burke. We, we could grab him and um, another one of my friends who uh, helped coordinate this kind of coordinating 
camera guy and um, Matt George. And uh, I, I remember telling my mom, hey, mom, I'm going down to Costa Rica. I'll be back in a couple of weeks. And she's like freaked out. You're going to a war. There's war there. I go, mom, don't worry. I go, gorillas don't, you know, they don't bother surfers. I remember going, they have gorillas too? <laughs> I go, no. <laughs> so she was like, oh, freaked out. I go, it's okay. They don't, you know, surfers. So we got down there. Uh, and it was, you know, I mean, there was none of the roads were improved. The only, the only thing that was improved were the bridges. And it was kind of weird because we were driving around and everything took forever. It took us uh, eight hours to get from Haco up to Tamarindo. There was no shortcuts in Costa Rica at the time. And um, we didn't know where the surf was. Nobody knew nothing. There wasn't any guides. There wasn't any map. There was nothing at the time. They didn't and use the surf said, report from Surfer Magazine? No. Well, they didn't have <laughs> – they had the surf report. But, but they didn't have it for part, Costa. This is part of the story. They didn't have anything north of uh, – um Hako on the wow. court yet because nobody had been there because it's like it was I mean they may have been there but not a journalist yeah uh other than Paul I think Paul went you know because of Mario that you'd have to ask him about specifically but the, the bottom line we didn't know we didn't have any information so uh we hooked up with the local surf club you know it was very grassroots I mean you know Hako we got to Hako is a little town Playa Hermosa surf there uh with you know and the storyline was bruce brown had two years to find the perfect wave we're producing a tv show for espn we've got five days you know and it was <laughs> yeah. like this this that was the storyline that was how we started it. and we just bolted all over the country uh driving around we had a driver from tourism because we didn't know how to get anywhere there's no you know maps were not very sophisticated and um, we were just, you know, and, and the storyline became, in order to find the perfect wave, we needed to find this guy, Mario. And that's what we chased after. Yeah. Mario, we're looking for Mario. This is before the video game. It's just coincidental. <laughs> so here's all this kind of funny things that were going on. So uh, we buzz around Costa Rica and tell the story. We get some beach break and actually put ourselves in it. And, you know, it was, we, were having, we were having a, a lot of fun. And um, we got up to, uh, we, f we finally caught up with Mario up in Octal, which is kind of in the north-south of um, Tamarindo. He had a V8 cigarette boat. I mean, it oh, was yeah. sick. And, um, and so we, he goes, well, I'll take you up to this spot, but you can't really tell anybody where it is. You know, well, we respect that, right? We wouldn't. Other than generally on the map, we didn't really get into it. At that point, it was all fresh. And he goes, it's, it's called Witch's Rock. So we jump in the boat, um, Chris and I, camera, Matt George, and we're just flying. It was so beautiful because it's all jungle and nobody was there. And we go out of, out of there. And we're running up the coast. And I remember he points, first off, he points to Tamarindo. There was, a, there was like one little hotel shack on the beach. He goes, this someday is going to be a big tourist destination. Wow. And you can buy an acre time. on the beach. You can buy, he knew. I, I mean, <laughs> I, he goes, this is, you can buy an acre on the beach right now for 7,500 bucks. He goes, oh I, I, if I had 7,500 bucks, you know, if well, you have 7,500 bucks, you guys should get to buy it. Oh, uh, yeah, right. 
and it'll be an airport in you know up here. Really, you even have a fucking road. As a matter of fact, <laughs> as a matter of fact, all the bridges in Costa Rica were brand new. Okay, oh. <laughs> and they were all built by the Army Corps of Engineers. I go, what? How? I thought you were neutral. What did? It didn't dawn on me until later in this trip. So I go, God, you have beautiful bridges, but you know the roads are just hideous. So we get to um, we get in the boat, and we as we go up to um, witches, and we had the big beta cam, right? This thing is like twenty pounds of batteries, and costs us a fortune, and and because it's a beach break, we couldn't get the beta cam on the beach in order to film because it was so much. It was about four to five feet, perfect, unbelievable, but no no beach access for us. I mean, it was the whole area was just he goes mario goes look i'm going to take you up to the border of nicaragua there's a secret spot can't tell anybody a name can't tell anybody where it is you know i um, but i think we could get you up onto the beach i said awesome awesome so we're in the boat we're ripping along we're just hair blowing you know we're just having the time of our life and um and going yeah this is a hell of a way to make a living Everything was just finally, yeah, Pez, we're going to, you know, we're going to kill it. <laughs> and, and he pulls, he goes, check this out. And he pulls the boat into this anchorage. This is north of Witches. And off in the distance, you hear, ready, ta 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 Oh, Jesus. Ready, ta 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 <laughs> And I'm going, what is that? He goes, it's automatic weapon fire. I go, yeah, that's what I thought it was. <laughs> he goes, he goes, that's the, that's the uh, the CIA training Ticos to defend the northern border of Costa Rica if the revolution starts to spill into our country. Oh my God! And I go, wait a minute, you guys, you're Switzerland, you're neutral. He goes, no, we're just another banana republic from the United States. I yeah. Go, wow. I go, this is like, I'm like getting an upper division master's degree in in international politics here. I go, God, you know they teach you in school how neutral you are. He goes, well, you know, we need the Americans, uh, we need the United States to protect ourselves. I go, that is crazy. So we, we, and he tells us a little bit about what's going on in Nicaragua, how volatile it is. And we get up to, we get up to, um, I think it's called Playa Grande, mm -hmm. Punta Grande. Uh, yeah. And it's just five feet. I mean, we come up to behind it which is like interesting because we hadn't done that. And it looked like two feet. And then Matt jumps off, paddles into it. And it's like overhead. He's just screaming. It's insane. And then we're, uh, and then we're trying, we wrap the camera up in a plastic bag. You know, we get close we do the full Tarzan handoff. We get the beta cam on the beach. Uh, we get the tripod on the beach. Uh, Scott, the cameraman, myself, we start hiking. There's a river we have to cross to get up to the point. We're going through all that. I look down and there's friggin' cat tracks bigger than my feet on the oh. beach. <laughs> I go, oh, look at this. God. Oh, oh. God, we're going to be a snack before the day's over. Good Lord. I, I, you know, it was that, you know, our hearts are pumping. You can hear monkeys and all this stuff going on. Across the river, we set up the camera. Matt's out there. Chris Burke is out there, who is our pro guy. Uh, Ricky Slade, my friend. They're all out there getting waves. Um, and it's, you know, they're getting barreled. I mean, and it runs, 
it, the, the wave is insane. It runs, you know, along the beach. So it's yeah. to film it with a beta cam. We were like full frame right there, yeah. wave after wave after wave. And we're just having the, you know, and then, you know, I get out there and I'm getting a couple of waves and, and it was, it was insane. Um, you guys we absolutely so perfect scored. Win. We totally scored. We had this show. It was like, thank you. Uh, we go back the second day. We go through all that. We go back the second day. It wasn't this good, but we got a couple more ways. We, everybody, make sure you wear the same weight. You know, <laughs> <laughs> we were so like TV coots. We had gotta have, yeah, have continuity. <laughs> we had, I, yeah. I'm, you know, let's see. That was in TV production 301. Make sure everybody wears the same thing. You know, it was that kind of. It was that kind of production because uh, it was the first time we did it. Nobody had any confidence that we could do it. And uh, at least surfer because we're TV guys. So uh, uh, we get back to my studio in Del Mar. Matt and I are working on the show. We're writing the show. We're just, yeah, how do we, you know, tell the story and, you know, we'll do the endless summer and we'll play off of this and then we'll, we'll be looking for Mario. We'll find, then we'll find him at the end and he'll take us to the perfect way. And that was the story. And yeah, but we can't tell them kind of where it is. So we ended up kind of having this map on the screen and, you know, we had little lines zigzagging and going to all these spots looking for this wave. And then all of a sudden we get to the border. At the same time that we're working on the show, the Iran Contra. Oh boy. Yeah. Oliver I was going <laughs> Blows up, blows up in the press. You know, it was the biggest story. And we're like, we were right there. I mean, it was like, holy cow, that was crazy. And of course, we learned there was a, a drug war airport runway over there and how they were, the CIA was in there and how, what was going on with Iran to get the money to get the, you know, not let anybody know they're buying weapons and all this crap is in the paper. And I kind of go with Matt and I go, hey, I got an idea. And he goes, what? Let's call the surf spot Holly's Point in the TV show. <laughs> that way, that way, nobody would bust our chops, you know. And we'll put a skull and crossbone, and you know, nobody. You know, who's going to go to the? You know, if you could, if you can get here, then Good you luck. should be able to surf it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right. Especially after the what you know, the press is like, oh yeah, there's like all this crap going on. And that was half and then, the story. And then you get movies like Kill the Messenger. Anybody seen that? With oh, anyway, so that's a really uh, well good then, into I, why and how all the. I mean, the CIA was basically importing drugs and taking the proceeds yeah. to buy arms. Oh my god! Well, that's that's Central America. So let me. So what happened was is uh, we get back, we write the story, we put it on the air. You know, it's a big deal. Ha ha! It's our little our little secret little you know yeah every people eventually put two and some people put it two and two together and then i got a call from surfer magazine from the folks that were publishing the surf report to name oh boy. You know, point out the spots north on the on the surf report which is really the only thing about surf spots so i pointed them out you know jet tamarindo of course i gave that up yeah um you know but when it came to to the spot i just put it at the border in nicaragua and called it ollie's point and it stuck you know because of no those kidding. things so that's how that happened and then you know what the next thing is um, you know everybody loved the show yeah uh, is that how do you out. how fast do you get feedback on something like that you see all these other episodes and then that one drops and uh do, do you get how do you get feedback on something like that uh the best feedback was 
ESPN, you know, immediately renewed our contract for another yeah. summer. So that's great. Yeah. There you <laughs> and go. I, you know, it was going to be, and we won an Emmy for it yeah. because it, you know, it was kind of different. And, um, Surfer Magazine, Steve Pesman, you know, we gained everybody's respect that we, you know, let's get started now for next year, you know, so we could do yeah. more original production and yeah. beef the quality of this and do what I think what we were, you know, that what we all wanted to do professionally is and surfing wise and, you know, what's better, you know, hang out with a bunch of great surfers, travel the world and make a house payment. You know, there's, <laughs> it's pretty easy. So, uh, uh, it became, you know, and, and my company, uh, Frontline Video and Film, you know, we, we became known as the, the, you know, sports production company. We bought all our own equipment. You know, we, we did powder TV from that. Yeah, uh, nice. So that's the feedback, you know, I mean, it launched, exactly. it launched my career and I knew at that moment, you know, I'm, I'm going to do this for the rest of my life. You know, so you got a lot of likes, in other words, and that's yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. Say, I mean, I, it's kind of then will, it wasn't like as immediate. You know, it took time, but the big the big surfer, our peers, uh, ESPN. Yeah, I'm sure you'd that hear was, about it in the lineup too. <laughs> yeah. Can now I, you know, I went I, I went back with Wingnut and Robert August. Um, to Ollie's uh, for one episode of Longboard TV because nice. what happened was after we got back, I called Bruce because mm-hmm. you know, he was obviously one of my heroes and mentors, and uh, I told him all about it. You know Ollie's point, you know, and and the story, and we kind of dedicated it to you and blah blah blah, and then all of a sudden he does Endless Summer Two. Yep. And, and yeah, he does Endless Summer Two. And he goes right. Where does he go first? Ollie's Which point. is rocking Ollie's point, <laughs> and he and he tells a whole nother story about yeah. how Ollie Point got its name. <laughs> like he almost took credit for it. And quite honestly, I you know I never let him off the hook on that one. I go, thanks Good for that. You. you know, you shout out, uh, shout out, brah. Yeah. <laughs> so that was, I think the best part of all that is I I ultimately got. Um, Wingnut and I have become, you know, bonded and dear friends over all of, uh, as you probably know, you know, Costa Rica, Bruce Brown, television. So, uh, you know, I've sacrificed the shout out for uh, for the friendship I have with uh, Wingnut. Question. Absolutely. There was a shift in the tone of Surfer Magazine in 92 from the magazine style show to the more travel. Was that, were you still involved then or did they make a full production switch too? When Steve Pesman kind yeah. of got pushed out the door at Surfer. Pushed out. Okay. Interesting. Well, Interesting it, you yeah, use that word was, there. That That's was, something I had not heard before. Interesting. It was more, mm, there was a new team in there mm. that, that, you know, wanted to make it more corporate. And uh, I did Surfer Magazine as a project with Steve on a handshake. Yeah. Right? Uh, they took over. I had a 50-page, you know, agreement that they broke um steve steve went to the journal and i basically quit uh, okay. I said, hey um i fired the client as it was called at the office um i go i'm not working for you guys you know so see ya and then but sunny you know sunny was still there and yeah. uh 
I go, Sonny, you do whatever is best for you. Um, and that's why it turned into a travel show. But I said, you do whatever is good for you. I'm not, it's not your problem. It's my problem. And, you know, uh, it worked out great for both uh, Steve and I, you know, so uh, at first it was kind of hard and we were kind of bummed, but uh, uh, I think, you know, I, I, I can't say enough good things about my friendship with Steve to this day. Uh, and the work that, you know, both, uh, he obviously he does in print, which is totally to his credit, but also having the opportunity to, you know, do the television series for Outdoor Life and National Geographic. So. Love those, by the way. The, the, you know, the surf history, the, the surfers that you, the profile pieces that you did, but also the Great Wave series, like, those were great. Why did they, I mean, it was just Outdoor Life, just slowly... I was going to ask, like, why did it stop? But, I mean, obviously. I'll tell you why it stopped. Yeah. Once again, you know, the corporate suits took over. Uh, Outdoor Life got bought by Comcast. And they put a bunch of suits in there. And they, this is what they said to me when I walked out there. <laughs> when I quit that job, <laughs> there's not enough bikinis in the show. Is that right? We oh want more gosh. bikinis in there. No I go, way. Hello. I go, I remember this exec on the phone. I go, dude, we don't do bikinis, okay? We do content. We do, at the time, we do programming. We do surfing. And it's the endless, so. it's the endless fight to make uh, surfing more mainstream and capture a larger audience, which is what we're and, going through today. And 20 years later, those guys yeah. were me too so hey. Yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> you know, whatever, it was like. I, yeah. Can I cap the... Uh, yeah. uh, can I cap the Costa Rica story before we move on? And that is that, yes. Tyler, you'll appreciate this. Uh, Eric Gunderson and Willie Wintle, my two surf buddies that uh, we stuck together along with some other high school friends, made plans of all the surfer friends that I had from Central Florida. We were the ones that booked the tickets through the tra- travel agency to Costa Rica the day after we graduated high school and got wow. somebody's cousin That's- to rent a car for us and let us drive it around <laughs> yes. for two weeks and get you know absolutely destroyed at Playa Hermosa and yeah we made um we made it a reality but we would never have done that without that particular tv show um I think Paul's article was also a big part of that too let me just add a point to that you know and and that's why it kind of chicken skinned me um I watched Bruce Brown narrate the endless summer live Mm. at the Santa Monica Civic when I was 15 years old oh, yeah. and I sat there in the audience watching him and he was just amazing guy up there with his right. record player. And I said to myself, I know what I want to be when I grow up. I, you know, I went on a different course, but, wow. but the same thing, it changed my life right then and there. And it, it's amazing how these things can inspire you and impact you. Mm-hmm. So uh, wow. I can, relate 100 percent to uh to that and it makes me proud that you know we had that kind of impact on people so yeah one could argue that investment from tourism board was very very good investment you know right. <laughs> they got yeah. a lot of bang for their buck and i you know the ripple effect from that trip alone probably is um amazing when you think about it like, what happened point. too what happened too at the same time that show yeah. at the end of that summer espn went from just a domestic network to a global network yeah so we went from whatever 30 million homes to 150 million homes because surfer 
Surfer Magazine with TV was first, the first national regularly scheduled show on the sport of surfing. It was also the first internationally distributed wow. regularly scheduled show on surfing. So I went down to Costa Rica once well, when I went with Wingnut and we checked into the hotel and the kid at the counter that was checking us in recognized me and I'm only no. in there for a few, recognized me um, from the show and had the VHS tape like nice. it, that they played in the hotel of that. And it was like, whoa, that was, that was like, and then wing that was standing next to me and going, <laughs> that's phenomenal yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was so funny it's like oh cool <laughs> so it, it, it's funny how that was the first one and how how many other things you know transpired over the, my career that uh yeah the, the, the unintended cool shit that happens <laughs> yeah that is that's absolutely that's, true you put it out that's there that's the name of your book there you go. It's the name of your new my book. book. Unintended cool called, things <laughs> that happen. I already, no, no, my new book is going to be, my book is going to be surfing as a tax deduction. There you go. I love it. Oh man. I've sort of taken advantage of that since we started the festival. <laughs> Watch awesome. yourself. This is being recorded. I know. Well, I mean, taking advantage of me and as a CPA, I should say ordinary and necessary put to work. Yeah. So, uh, but yes, it's, uh, you know, that was, that was that, Costa Rica. Yeah. Very fond place in my heart. Theme yeah. song. How did that come about? I'm curious. Cause it's so iconic. Kind of is. Yeah. Ding, ding, was, ding, ding, ding. Sorry. That's so funny. <laughs> it's just so funny. You're bringing me back so many fucking decades. Um, <laughs> that, that was, that was ESPN. They came up with that. Oh, okay. really? They, they did, came up did with a great it. job. <laughs> I hired, I hired uh, Bracho y Loco, which was a local band. Del Mar, Del Mar at that period of time, it, even we were on 12th Street. Between 9th Street and 12th Street, music, clothing, there was a, a surf, Rusty. There was so many things that were front line. You know, uh, my studio is in a, a former recording studio. It's kind of subterranean, right at the beach. Uh, so many things were going on down there. Rolling Stone did a multi-page story about what was happening in Del Mar and the culture. So limpy plant pants. Uh, so Bracho y Loco, I hired them to do the, uh, a matter of fact, drop. I paid for their, I paid, yeah, <laughs> crazy <Above> time. <laughs> uh, they did that salsa, like kind of rock music and um, uh, they needed a studio session. And I basically said, look, I'll pay for the studio. Let me use it on my TV show which they helped them, obviously they became, uh, we have a, uh, down here in Solana Beach, we have the incredible music venue called the Belly Up. And yes. uh, uh, Chris Goldsmith, who was the, our liaison with uh, Bracci Loco back then, uh, is the president of, of, um, of the Belly Up. So we, we, we're still in touch with each other. And uh, uh, I think what the, uh, Steve Sherman, I mean, there, there was so much cool shit going on down there in Del Mar that, uh, that we were, you know, part of. It was, uh, it was fun. It was fun no matter where we were at the time. I, and, you know, uh, people would give me a wave every once in a while. And, and, uh, <laughs> That's yeah. cool. I just, I so. wonder if I could steer the storytelling to one that you told me at the festival. And it had to do with being sort of stranded off of the Sumatran coast or was it West Java? I mean, somewhere in that, 
that straight. Um, could you refresh my memory? Because it stuck with me, but I wanted to hear it again. Uh, is this uh, when you went to Penitent with the Fitzgerald? Oh. oh no, we went, we went with Paul Ma- uh, King. Oh, well, Paul happened- King, the drug smuggler. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so once again, Paul Holmes was a surfer, I think. Yeah. I think he was still there. And he organized, a ch- we wanted to go, we, we were going to Bali. Uh, we wanted to film Bali, Sunny, with Sunny, um, and John Chamuka, um, and oh, I remember this. Episode, Ted Monaghan and Paul Fries. We had three, three guys. I can't remember. Oh, I think it's a Locomotion. Maybe Locomotion sponsored it. So we were going to go to Bali, and Paul. We knew there was surf, you know, and other spots, but we had not filmed them we 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 knew the you know we paul king the drug smuggler and his buddy <laughs> brett beasley originally a drug students. smuggler then a surf travel company surf executive and then a drug yeah, smuggler well, <laughs> yeah. or maybe both at the same time we yeah, don't know <laughs> i wasn't into drugs uh, then so uh but um then. quite the characters i must say Okay. Uh, so what happened? I'll, I'll try to speed this one up. But I, 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 so what happened was, is that Paul said, "Hey, I, I chartered a, a big, beautiful boat. We're gonna you know, for you guys, Sunny, and you guys, and you're gonna go, you know, north of Java. Uh, there's waves. You know, you go. Maybe we'll go to Krakatoa and then over to to Sumatra. No one had been there uh, other than Paul. Yeah. You know, and and his little uh, group." and knew the surf and was pumping it and suggested that he would handle getting us a boat and, and be our guide. So Paul, uh, I think the magazine plopped down because they wanted to do an editorial on it. And I said, yeah, we'll go along and we'll tie the editorial in with the bring Bernie Baker, got Sonny, uh, you know, Paul, why don't you come take notes, bring, and then Paul brought his wife and I brought my wife. Yeah, we'll go spend a month in Bali and, and then we'll cruise up, you know, at some point we'll take a trip up to this new frontier. So we end up showing up at Charita Beach on Java to go catch our yacht to go to um, uh, to go up to uh, Sumatra with Paul King. Uh, we show up. And I'll never forget my wife going, you know, are you fucking kidding me? It was a river trading ah. boat. It was a Hell river. Trevor. It was a river trading boat out of Jakarta, with a Javanese crew who spoke no English. Oh. Plus, we had to take a representative from the government of Java with us, who wore a suit and um, oh. hard shoes and had a suitcase because we were, you know, uh, United States media and the United States media has to have a representative with them at all times. This is when Suharto was in, in charge too, right? Oh yeah. It was yeah. gnarly. Yeah. Politically gnarly. So we get in the Zodiac out of this little beach town, Charita beach, boat all our gear up onto this river trading boat, literally flat deck diesel boat with an outhouse nailed to the back of the aft of the boat. <laughs> Oh, that's my your, wife yeah. was like are you kidding me you know it's like oh well you know we're going buck up so we get on this thing 
I mean, the deck was teak, but it gushed. It was so disgusting. The engine diesel. The Ugh. food was in boxes behind the, the you know, uh, um, wheelhouse. Uh, we had rice and, and vegetables and, and uh, noodles, you know, and water for, we figured we'd be out for two, three days. No big deal, you know. Yeah, no big deal. So just out, out you know, a day up, a day back, and a day there. So, uh, so we, we head out, load up all the gear, Schmooka, all these kids running around. They were hysterical. Oh, John, uh, Paul Shmoo. King, you know, was a, kind of sketchy right from the beginning. But, <laughs> you see Paul there? But, yeah. Uh, just a, a quick interlude. <laughs> oh. That's me and Paul back in 2000. Uh, okay. telling, he's telling lies right there. Just, no oh way. Yeah. That's, That's insane. crazy. That's crazy. You just. Brett like, Beasley had, had hit the reef. Brett Beasley had hit the reef, stitched himself up, had a piece of gaffer's tape on his face. That's what kind of guys this guy. They were like hardcore. Here we are in Java. It's like 100 degrees out and uh, 100 degrees humidity, you know, and I'm like sweating like it was like a draining off of me. I I needed gutters around my neck to just pour all the water. (laughs) It was sick. So um, uh, uh, we get we get out. We start heading out, uh, loaded up, headed out. We got, I don't know, maybe 40 miles out. And there's a, all these island groups out there, uninhabited island groups off of East Java, uh, West Java, um, and uh, heading Sunda, towards the Sunda Straits where, because mm. we were going to go to Krakatoa. Yeah. I, I, I wanted to go, you know, that to me was the highlight. I wanted to see Krakatoa. So, uh, let alone is there surf, you know, who knew? Um, and we get out. And all of a sudden the engine starts acting up and we literally chugged in with flashlights hanging over the bow to avoid the reefs. We chugged into this little uninhabited island group and anchored. And, um, okay. You know, Brett's over there with Paul and the crew spoke no English and it was just nothing seemed to be communicating to us. And I'm responsible for 10 people and, what, what's up? How's he, you know, are we okay? You know, uh, make a story really short. No radio, no tools, mm. no starting the engine. Oh, We're yeah. stuck. Day one. Do, 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 do. 40 uh, miles away. <laughs> 40 miles, nothing around, uninhabited island group, monkeys all over the beach, jump in the water, you immediately got stung to death <gasps> by sea lice. There was no relief. We're 14 of us or 12 of us on the deck with a corporate guy from, you know, full on dressed up uh, with his briefcase, uh, Javanese representative, which, you know, by date. Well, uh, so we go through that. Uh, okay, no radio. What are you friggin' kidding me? It, well, it, it doesn't work. Uh, but through the island group, we could see this like six to eight foot swell rolling by. So try to huh. try to contain three pro surfers, Sonny Miller, and a broken engine, knowing there's surf over there, and we're stuck. Oh okay. my gosh! What are we gonna do? Day two, do, 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 do. you know, and I'm starting to, you know, I ripen pretty quickly. So does that other guys. My poor wife, Paul's wife. I mean, you know, you get too close to us, your eyes would tear up like an onion, and. Um, you know, kind of hot and sticky and okay. Well, 
Bernie and Paul go, look, I think we saw a lighthouse out on this island group. We'll go out this morning, you know, day two morning, and we'll go see if we can make contact and, okay, be back before dark so we don't have a heart attack. Yeah, yeah, we'll be back. We'll just go up and back. It shouldn't take long. They take off. We're stuck. Uh, we went on the beach, you know, a little bit, kind of, you know, shot some monkeys, <laughs> got back on the boat, laid around. It got dark. They didn't come back. Uh, that was very, that was tough. Yeah. Um, I started, I, I was very concerned. And I knew they were, you know, they knew what they were doing, but, uh, you know, 13 foot Zodiac in the middle of a job of, you know, it's, it was weird. So yeah. it was hard. That night was hard. Next day, day three, they come back. That was a big relief. Late morning. We, we, this is like on a, uh, I can't remember exactly, but let's say it was a, a Thursday or Tuesday. Let's say it's, Tuesday. Um, our tickets to leave were on Sunday from Denbasar, Bali, which, you know, we had like 10 airline tickets, you know, that were date specific. Yeah. So we had a bit of a deadline. Uh, oh, well, it'll be at least two days before they can call Jakarta. They can't call out. They can only receive and they only get a call every other day at the lighthouse. Whatever it was, we had a couple of days left before we'd even get to somebody to come out and help us possibly, you know, and they had a putty knife. It was the only tool on the boat. It's crazy. I think so, Paul and, brought and back some, some water or something like that with him or, I mean, they brought, but yeah, I think, you know, it was, we were right. We were, we were going to run out of water. We were definitely going to run out. The food was covered with flies. And mm. I didn't want to eat this. Ugh. It was either right. It was just vegetables you know, what they, rice and vegetables. The whole thing was getting kind of ugly. The outhouse thing was getting ugly. We were, couldn't go in the, <laughs> the water. Was getting ugly. Everything was getting ugly. <laughs> you know, it's just, it was one of those like, okay, for all you assholes out there that always wanted to carry my bags, you know, <laughs> to go on a surf trip. You Here know, you go. I'm yeah. earning, we're earning our keep right now, especially yeah. with a bunch of, you know, you know, 18 to 20 year old hyper kinetic surfers, you know, and Sonny, who was hysterical, absolutely like he would do stand up all day long. He was, that was the only thing refreshing. He was, and then they took the paint, boat paint, and they put up a big flag and said Lost Boys. They painted on the, on a, on a sheet and hung it from the mast. Um, nobody around. Woke up the morning of day four. <laughs> mm. Uh, here goes my trip, you know, my vacation to Indonesia. And sitting about uh, 50 yards, 75 yards away from us was a brand new 57-foot, fully rigged swan sailboat. And I'm like, it was like one of those cartoons, you know, where you kind of rub your eyes. Yeah, it's a mirage. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Am I seeing this, you know? Uh, oh my God, get the boat, let's go. So uh, we went over and um, we, we boated over and, and <laughs> I knocked on the, we knocked on the hull uh, and this, this guy comes out of the, out of the you know, cabin and he looks down at us and he looks across the bay and he goes, <laughs> are you guys on that? And we go, yes. And he goes, you're broken down, right? And we go, yes. 
can we have uh, permission to come aboard? And he goes, and he goes, yes, come on on. And it was an American guy who had moved to Perth. Um, he used to work in engineering in Chicago, retired to Perth, has this amazing, fully navigational, one of the most beautiful boats I've ever been on. I mean, for mm. that size boat. Two Australian crew. Uh, and he was sailing up to Thailand and he just, you know, they just came in and anchored. Uh, and, and it was like, and he knew all about ESPN. Oh, we're here for the ESPN. We're doing a TV show. And yeah. He knew of us. He knew of the show, kind of. You know, he was a surf, but he was a sailor. America's Cup, all that crap. And uh, so we could talk sail. We could talk. You know. So he was super cool. And I go, look, if you take us up to where the surf is, um, I will put a graphic at the end of the show for your boat charter because he was. He, would, he wanted to charter it. We, we had that conversation. And, um, you know, because obviously he didn't need money. I mean, I mean it didn't, you know, yeah. I'll pay you. I, I wasn't going to do that. But uh, So he was cool. The, the crew were cool. Well, we can't take all of you. Well, we just want to take the surfers and the camera crew. We left Paul, his wife, uh, a couple of non-essential folks on the boat. They were fine with it. They'll just fish and hang out. They were comfortable that we can, you know, hopefully get the show. And we took off uh, in this sailboat and headed to, we knew we couldn't get up to Sumatra and through that, you know, Sunda Strait and all the way up to this, where we thought there was surf. Um, but uh, we knew of Panaitan because uh, Art Brewer had been there and photographed it. That was, yeah. nobody had filmed it yet. Uh, let's, you know, let's go for, we'll go for Panaitan, you know, one palm. And uh, hopefully we get, you know, there's obviously what swell. And, and Paul knew there was swell. So, because he knew it so well. And this was all new country for us. And, 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 and Sonny and everybody it was like, holy cow, this place is just on fire. The swell size is like six, six feet and it's just constant. So we get up to, I'll never forget. We take the, with the boat, we're sailing, beautiful sail, full crew. Just, this is like, okay. Now you want to carry my bags. You know? like, degrees, yeah. Just like one moment. And we're sailing, we're sailing through the strait, and it was just spectacular, glassy, cutting. And we get up to uh, Penitent and it's overhead, and it's just wrapping all the way down the island. And Sonny flies off the bow. I mean, Bernie flows off the bow. The surfers are, it looked like a, an invasion of uh, uh, apocalypse now. I mean, they were gone. <laughs> but, uh, uh, and then we had to get the beta cam up onto the beach. That was another, we had, yeah. to, we had, oh my God, we ended up, we dropped the Zodiac. Uh, we, we triple bagged the, the beta cam. The surf was just cracking. And the way the reefs are stepped down, that the swell just pounded. I mean, we, we were at least a half a mile uh, from the point to get, and it was literally in between swells, gun it, run it, just like Navy yeah. SEALs up onto the beach, get the cameras off, get the equipment off, get the wife off, get the, you know, <laughs> backpacks, get da, 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 boom, go, 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 and then off they went, you know. And uh, then we had this half mile hike in the jungle, which Panitin at that point had never probably seen too many white things like yeah. us. So the entire canopy 30 foot high jungle is up against the sand it's like timmy turner's sand. show yeah 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 well timmy was yeah came After later you, right? sure yeah. No, but, yeah i see but, that footage no, 
it's there's no beach right. and then it drops into coral reef and into water so we're all, really and plus the, the the whole jungle grows out and over right so, you, so i have 50 pounds of battery crap in my backpack oh my god you know the beta cam which is 25 pounds the tripod you know and my wife was jerry was with us um and you know i thought we had you know scott the cameraman loaded up the backpack i didn't look at anything we get we hike i'm sweating oh, there's no. like month the entire jungle is following us as we're walking along i mean it, it's crazy how like every monkey within 100 miles was like who are these apes on our beach right <laughs> so uh we get to the point and we set up and i open up the backpack i go oh god i'm just dying for water and i open up the backpack and the cameraman took his the water out and put in his hiking boots in case he needed those. So we had like one little jar of water for the three of us for however long we were going to nope. After hiking a half a mile, bending like, you know, over these things. and Because you didn't want to touch anything wrong because yeah. you didn't know if there was a snake there, you know, who knew? <laughs> so, uh, and then we, the crazy part is we sit down on the beach, we set up the tripod and, you know, we're pretty close to where the action is because of the, the way it broke uh, again along the uh, that side of the island what swell direction everything else. and it was cracking i mean and it was we had to get up a little bit and, you know get the right angle to get the shot and the the thing that blew my mind at that moment and i'll never forget it looking down at the beach at the the coral rock reef and the entire island had about a three inch wide uh styrofoam plastic really? ring around the whole mm-hmm. here we are uninhabited what? jungle island sure. in yeah. the middle of nowhere Damn. and it was littered with styrofoam mm-hmm. pieces oh. little little lighters tampons yogurt cups i'm going it 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 that just made me such an environmentalist from that moment on. i go this is so wrong uh so that was the, the first five minutes. And then we shot. We got epic footage. Uh, these guys were getting shacked in these almond tubes. Perfect light. Killed it. And they were going to, they picked, they, the idea was to pick us up at dusk. You know, mm. we'll, we'll hike back. Oh boy. And I've had no water for eight oh hours in the hot sun with no umbrella. And I'm walking back. I got the backpack. My wife, Jerry's with me, Scott, the cameraman, and we're crying. And then all of a sudden, I got the full dehydration, hallucination. Oh, shit. Cramps. I mean, it was, That's I'm like, scary. it was like, my body's like doing shit it's never done before. And I'm trying to kind of, my, you know, get my, my senses with me. You know, I got to get down. I got to get down there. You know, I'm like full on, you know, and, uh, we got you know and and then we had to wait for them to get the boat over and then the swell break and we ended up you know obviously everything was fine got they they had water on the zodiac i mean <laughs> you know what it was like <laughs> yeah <laughs> it was like a yeah it was like the the guy that crawled across the, clint eastwood you know, and good bad and the ugly yeah yeah <laughs> uh, it made a big difference it's like i've come alive again and then uh, we we got on the boat and um, the best, really the best part of the whole thing was, you know, cracking that 
what was it, Ping Tao or whatever. Oh, Tang, yeah, Bin Tang. You know, Ping Oh, Tang, yeah, Bin Tang. Bin Tang, cracking that Ping Tang on the boat, sailing in the dark across the Java <sighs> Straits. Sky is just electric with, you know, stars. We've got the footage, you know, we, we you know. God, yeah. classic, man. Holy. Here's the best part of all my stories. For yeah. four ninety nine a month, you can watch them all on the Surf Network. Yeah, <laughs> nice plug. I like it. Now, <laughs> now which my, episode is that? Sorry, Tyler. Before we no, move on, go for it. I think it's Surfer Magazine. It's called the Odyssey. It's nineteen eighty nine, right? Or ninety? No, ninety ninety. It's the last. Like one of the last shows of the four year. Yeah. It's season one, two, three, four, and it's the last show. It's called the Odyssey. I don't yeah. know the number offhand. The big question is, your wife, she stayed married to you after that? How did you do that? <laughs> That's a good, good question. Yeah, like, uh, if I did that to my wife, oh, my God, I think I'd be in a lot of trouble. <laughs> she, she was not going to go back to Bali ever again. <laughs> she traveled. The crew, actually, Jerry, she's a very, she, uh, you know, we went to Tavaru in 86 for our honeymoon. So I knew she, I picked the right person. We were the first honeymoon couple on Tavarua, so uh, no that way. and and uh, you know, so that was that was you know, she she grew up in Southern California. She grew up in Orange County, so she gets it. But she traveled. I remember Sonny used to go, "Is Jerry gone? Is Jerry gone?" I go, "Why are you so excited about Jerry?" And he goes, "Because we eat way better. We stay in way better places than we go to you." So the quality of the crew's life changed of my wife. And, and, and she was really good at logistics. But there was no way, uh, you know, we, we, I, I never, I had not gone back. Uh, I didn't, I enjoyed the adventure. I enjoy Indonesia uh, for that experience, but it was my cup of tea. I fell in love with Fiji and, uh, and Tahiti. And so my, you know, if any chance I got, I, I would go to the South Pacific over Indonesia. Now, Sonny, he felt he saw the potential. Indo warrior. And then after we, the whole Surfer Magazine thing changed. He, that when you're talking about the '92 stuff, he'd go back. He ended up doing the search. He went back. He became really good friends with King and those guys. Uh, the boats got, obviously got better eventually. Yeah. Uh, you know the crossing and Quicksilver. You know he got involved with Roxy and all that. So. You know, he, he, to his credit, I mean, he, he would go back pretty much annually and took, took uh, Tom uh, Curran with him and, you know, shot all this incredible footage and things. And so that became his, his spot. He, he got pretty deep into it. And, uh, you know, uh, and I said, see, I'm going to Tahiti, dude. <laughs> you, can yeah, have, exactly. you, you take Indo, I'll take Tahiti. Well, you know, Fiji. I love Fiji. I love Tabitha. I think I, it turned out that uh, Scott Funk, who owned Tavarua at the time, uh, uh, when we went there for a honeymoon, we befriended him and his girlfriend. It turned out they literally lived behind us in Caddy Corner in Solana Beach no when way. they weren't in Fiji. That's so hilarious. when he'd come back, we'd hang out with him. Then I went back the next year to Tavarua after, you know, uh, Surfer Magazine and profiled it for the first time on, on ESPN. Yeah. which obviously got a lot of attention. And so I went back probably 10 or 12 times um, over the course of what probably my, you know, my short board into my 
you know, back to a longboard era of surfing. So. Sure. And we're still well, good friends. We're actually. So. That's a great story. Uh, I, I have to say we're bumping up against our hour, but I, I wanted to uh, thank you, Ira, for coming on the show. Yeah. Tyler, thank what, you. Uh, what thank a great you way to document a classic story behind the scenes and any I'm comments. So freaking stoked. And like, it's such an honor to, to, to do this with you, Ira. Like I've been such a fan already for so long. So when Kevin asked me to do this, I was like, fuck yeah. <laughs> and hopefully I can get you on my podcast one day soon. I would love to uh, dive more deep into some other stuff. Like I've got so many questions, you know, it's like everything from Dynacom and Alan Gibby and his involvement to all these other, other players and, Obviously, your take on the, the the surf video landscape, I'm I'm curious of, but um, we'll save that for another show, I guess. <laughs> I'm looking forward well, to it. Yeah, uh, you know, I, I I haven't done this before. Um, I appreciate it. Uh, it was a lot of fun. You know, you guys are great. I have tons of respect for what you're doing and the passion, and I think that's uh, you know just that's just the word. I'm not involved with their festival. I do nothing with their festival. I'm just a freeloader no, here. <laughs> I know who you are. I know who you are. Well, well, seasoned freeloader. Wow, now eat. I'm blushing. Yeah, you, you, you do have a few uh, uh, medals a on your chest. Yeah. Well, <laughs> Hopefully it's not all bad. Uh, <laughs> I mean, you gave a, me a heads up. I said yes. So. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, no, it's a pleasure to have you on the show. Well, and you guys are doing what you're passionate about. And, that's you know, right. I, it, it's something that you just, uh, you just, uh, you know, you'll, you'll be successful at it just because you dig it so much. And yeah. Um, well, we've plugged the surf network, which is your kind of, I mean, you have to say that you're not probably making millions of dollars a year on that. That's a passion thing, but hopefully uh, you make millions of dollars, but what's, is it anything else you want to plug in the meantime for uh, besides the surf network right now? Just, yeah. Just check out the surf network. Um, you know, but that's, uh, yeah, that's our, you know, we're getting some really cool content. We're working with everybody. We're trying to make it work for all the filmmakers, you know, with, uh, you know, you watch a video on the surf network and you're helping that filmmaker make another movie. I can tell you that. So there you go. Uh, there we go. It's, it's pure communism, pure Marxism with a little <laughs> capitalism. Exactly. Well, I, w- I would say for all the listeners here, do yourself a favor, get yourself a subscription. And, you know, honestly, like just we're in COVID, we're home. I've watched everything on Netflix. Now just dive into surf video and surf history. I mean, if you want to learn about surf culture history, if you are new to surfing, just subscribe. You'll, you'll, you'll thank us all later. <laughs> I'm about to dive into episode 45 of the Odyssey. Surfer oh, shit. Series yeah. And, uh, watch a little bit of what we just heard. So I'm about to go it. help my wife with the groceries. There you go. <laughs> That's good, too. Um, you guys are Ira, great. Thank thanks you. a lot, Ira. You got it. Thanks, Tyler, I really care. appreciate it. You got good it, guys. guys. Cheers. Aloha. See you soon. Aloha. All I right. got you. You. Be well. All right. All right. Thanks for joining us for episode eight of Surf Stories, presented by Florida Surf Film Festival. We're happy to have as sponsors of the festival Monster Energy, who is the presenting sponsor, Rourke Revival, Yeti, 
Globe Footwear, Atlantic Center for the Arts, Advent Health, and many more listed on our website. Also, we're looking forward to talking with Christian Beamish in the next week, and we'll have that up as soon as it's available. Christian wrote the book uh, Voyage of the Cormorant. I highly recommend you pick it up. He's actually recording the audio now for that book, so uh, you'll have an opportunity to buy it as an audio book in the not-too-distant future. So thanks again for joining us, and we look forward to having you back soon with uh, more surf stories. And going to recitals in art galleries. I don't go to recitals anymore because my hearing is too sensitive, and I don't go to art galleries anymore because there are people there, and I can't deal with people.